we've got the money set aside just like we did for the properties I sold in 2018 and 2019. You know, we took that money. I sat on it for a while. I invested some in the stock market, but then I invested a, um, a bunch of it into a syndication deal. And it was the first deal that made sense to me. You know, I knew the area very well. I understood the strategy very well. So moving forward, there really isn't a goal set. It's just when something seems right. Welcome to the Cashflow for Life podcast. We believe there are two types of people in this world. People that have greater cash flow coming in every single month or people who have cash flow going out. We believe you need to be the type of person that has cash flow coming in, and that is what this podcast is all about. Our mantra is simple. If you take care of real estate for the first five years, real estate will take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Andrew Holmes, a renowned expert in the field, is your guide on this journey. Andrew is the driving force behind National RE Invest, the largest real estate investors association in the United States. Together, we're here to help you build wealth and create more cash flow in your life. Let's get into the show. In this episode, I had an incredible conversation with someone truly remarkable, Bree Schmidt. Bree is not only a real estate agent and mother of two, but she's also an investor whose insights have made waves in the real estate realm, notably through her contributions to Bigger Pockets, an invaluable resource for real estate investing education. During our chat, Bree took us on a journey through her experiences in real estate investment, starting from a groundbreaking house hack she ventured into back in 2011 in the heart of Chicago. We explored her expansion into the vibrant Milwaukee market in 2014 and how various personal life events such as the passing of her father and her own divorce, played a significant role in shaping her investment strategy. What intrigued me the most was Bree's shift towards optimizing her property portfolio for efficiency, a strategy that led her to sell off certain properties in Chicago while holding on to others. She shared candid insights into her approach to investment, highlighting the importance of prioritizing lifestyle and freedom over merely scaling up for the sake of growth. Her experiences with different property classes shed light on the varying management demands, notably comparing the challenges posed by C-class properties against those of B and A-class properties. Bree's investment playbook is fascinating as it involves a mix of personal property ownership and active participation in syndication deals. We also dove into the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, an event Bree co-organizes, which serves as a hub for education and networking among real estate enthusiasts. The summit features a myriad of speakers discussing pivotal topics such as syndication, raising capital, and local Airbnb policies. Bree emphasized the importance of understanding economic trends and their profound influence on the real estate market, drawing from a transformative session she had with an economist. So buckle up and get ready for a conversation filled with insights and wisdom from Bree Schmidt's journey and expertise in the world of real estate investment. We have a really fun guest today. Not only is she a real estate agent, she is a real estate investor. She's been contributing for a long time to Bigger Pockets. So you probably know her from there. And she is a proud mom, right? Of two kids, correct? Yeah. yeah. Two. Okay. All right. So two now. Uh, two now. So Ms. Bree Schmidt uh, from Second City Realty, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Last time I saw you, I was pregnant yeah. at the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. I was seven months pregnant and now yeah, I've got yeah. two kids and we're yeah. having this summit again in a few weeks. 
Yeah, so we're super excited. We're going to talk about the summit, but I want to have Ms. Brian because a lot of times, you know, when you talk to investors, uh, they're either investing or they're real estate agents or they're trying to sell a thing. Ms. Bree doesn't sell anything. She does a great summit that if you have not been to, definitely you got to go. We're going to talk about it. It's on May 6th and May 7th, 100% great quality information. So uh, a big thumbs up. But having said that, Ms. Bree, I want to kind of jump right into it. So we kind of introduced you as you wear many, many hats. But how, when it comes to investing, uh, I want you to kind of go back and just uh, talk a little bit about that because sometimes life-changing events change your life, right? What was that for Absolutely. you? Yeah. So my story is, I'll try to go back and make it short. Otherwise the whole podcast will just be about sure. the story. I started investing in 2011. So I've been a landlord for 12 years. August will be my 12 year anniversary. I did a house hack in Chicago. Um, so we bought a three unit property with really no intentions of buying anymore. The, the plan was always to have that be our forever home. You know, and as we grew and as we needed more space, we would just connect the units, right? And eventually have a three-story home. That was the plan. Uh, about nine months after that happened, my father passed away. And he had a very uh, aggressive form of cancer. It was, you know, kind of out of nowhere. And it, I think I've talked about this on many, many of my podcasts. But the thing was, he died the day before he was supposed to retire. You know, and he had always talked about, you know, all the things he wanted to do with his life once he retired. And it was always after you get married or after your brother finishes college, I'm going to do, then I'm going to retire and do all these things. And his planned retirement party ended up being converted to his wake. And it sort of really like jarred me to the core thinking about my life. I had been working in advertising sales for almost 10 years. I had, you know, been working 60 hours a week, traveled all over the country for work. My goal in life was to be a female executive. And I had to really rethink things and be like, well, you know, I'm not even 30 yet. And I'm already kind of burnt out, let's be honest. And could I really spend the next 30, 35 years of my life doing this? So that's kind of when our plan shifted. Uh, we bought another property in 2012. We bought another property in 2013. That was a um, live-in, a burr, if you want to call it, a live-in renovation project. Uh, we then refinanced and took the money out of that property that we got from the equity and started investing in the Milwaukee market. Um, 2014, I bought 10 properties in Milwaukee. 2015, I bought another eight properties in Milwaukee. And then I started working with partners. Um, so then between 2015 and 2016, I acquired another 10 properties with partners. I had three different partnerships. Um, everything was hunky-dory. Everything was going pretty smoothly. 2017, I got divorced. So I stopped buying properties. I couldn't add any assets. And then met my now husband. And that was another shift. I said, I always tell the story. I think it was maybe our second or third date. He had taken the day off work and we were spending the day together. And at one point, he's like, you need to get off your phone. Like, I'm like, but I'm working, you know? He's like, but you're always working. Like, if I'm taking time out of my life to get to know you and spend quality time with you, you need to take time out of your life to spend quality time with me. And he was very, I don't want to say strict is not the right word, but very adamant about like, if we're going to spend time together, like phones down to this day, we don't, our phones are off at 6. 6 p.m. Our phones are off. Uh, we spend quality time together. So that also shifted my mindset and, and also with our future plans of, hey, are we going to get married? Are we going to start a family? You know, I'm, I looked back and thought to myself, 
you know, this is great. I own a brokerage firm. We've got eight agents that work underneath me. We've got, you know, I've got almost a hundred units. Um, I have a summit that I plan, but at the end of the day, I'm still working 60 hours a week. Right. And that wasn't the point of all this. Yes. I have freedom to travel and, you know, take days off and do what I want, but I was still working a ton. So then 2017, 2018 was really a focus on efficiencies, streamlining things, right? How do I get my time back? How do I outsource things? What's important in my business? Um, And then I had my daughter in 2019 uh, and I started selling some of my properties. So I sold 10 properties, let's say. So I want to kind of uh, put a pause a little bit, right? Yeah. So you clearly, um, life change, your father passes away. It's like a big jolt right? It's that moment when you're like, oh my God, am I really going to do this, right? Now, you scale up to 2019, right? This is before yeah. Corona, right? What was the impetus that kind of made you, it's like, okay, I'm going to start selling. Because I remember that you were talking about talking to economists. What was your mindset? Yeah. This is pre-Corona that caused you to start selling the properties. And it actually, was. before I go there, let's kind of explain your inventory, because this is important for people. In Chicago, what part of town and A market, B market, C market, what would you call that uh, market where you were investing in Chicago? Yeah, my Chicago properties were in or are in uh, North Center, Albany Park, and Portage Park. Okay, so got it. I, those are the first set of properties that I bought. Um, they're, I would say, more B plus, A minus class tenants. Got um, it. Yeah, I've been landlording in Chicago for 12 years. Most of my tenants stay, you know, on average, about three years. Uh, very, very, very rarely do they ever move out with any sort of damage. I think twice in 12 years of being a landlord have I ever had. I've never, I've only once had to ever file eviction, right? Uh, most tenants don't even have problems with payments. You know, even when Corona hit, all my tenants paid rent. I didn't right. have a single late payment. You know, we would that's call this more of a good, solid area, right? Solid, solid great yeah. area of Chicago. Um, on the northern side, people who are not familiar with uh, Chicago, north part of the city, north northwest. Um, how about Milwaukee? Different market, different class different of properties. Definitely so, more of a C-class market. C-class. Um, so, why? What is Why that did you go to C in Milwaukee versus being B plus A here in Chicago? So the way I saw it, there was a lot of reasons. A, I didn't have the capital to scale up quickly with Chicago. You know, the even now the Chicago market, you're talking between let's say six and seven hundred thousand dollars for a three flat, right? To get to the point of cash flow, right? My goal was thirty five thousand dollars a month of gross rent, right? That was my goal was to hit. To get that volume of income. Right, I would need so much capital and like a capital infusion to be able to afford properties in Chicago, right? Because again, when you're looking at it at the end of the day, it's like let's just say, for example, when you're buying a property in the north side of Chicago, the way I run my numbers, you're looking at a solid six, six and a half percent cap rate, right? Yeah. Not a home run, you know, not terrible, but nothing that you're gonna like. Whenever we have California investors that call me that want to invest. You know, I would tell like Chicago's probably not the right market for you. Right. You know, it's it's not what you're it's not what you're seeking out. Now, Milwaukee, on the other hand, was a uh it's a C-class market. So I always describe it as, you know, if a tenant's car breaks down and it costs five hundred dollars to fix, they don't have that five hundred dollars to fix their car. So or and pay rent. So if so they they're gonna fix their car first. 
they're going to fix their car first because then they can't go to work. Go to work. Yeah. Right. So that they're going to get, they're going to fall behind. Right. Okay. So you're, you know, it's, it's, they're, it's more of a paycheck to paycheck type tenant base. Um, more common, you know, if they can't pay their rent, they just move out in the middle of the night and don't tell you, you know, like things that you would never ever see in Chicago, at least in the areas I invest, but it's a higher cash flow market. So even at the end of the day, you know, when I, I actually just ran these numbers and I'll get into when I sold the properties, you know, the properties performed at 10% cap rate, you know, after all expenses, you know, you can't see, you're not going to see those numbers in Chicago. Now, I always go back to that 80s rap song, like more money, more problems, right? Uh, the time, even though I self-manage my Chicago stuff and I have professional management in Chicago or in Milwaukee, the time spent managing the managers and just dealing with the the stuff that comes up with C-class assets was tenfold in the Milwaukee market. So you needed a babysitter for the babysitter, basically. I mean, even in the greatest manager in the world, yeah. you're, you know, we had tenants that blew up our garage. You know, uh, we had a house, like we had a ton of that burned down our four unit. Um, you know, we like, there's so many other things that you have to be involved in, regardless of how great your manager is that you just don't see in Chicago. And, uh, you know, Ms. Bree, can you comment on that? Because sometimes what people don't understand is an A-class tenant or uh, in, a, in the locations that you had it, right? If you, it's not like, oh, well, do you get double the amount of calls? No, the headaches are four to five times when you Absolutely. change the class of the tenant. Can you explain that Huge a little difference. bit? Huge difference. Oh my God. So I said, I always tell you like my Chicago tenants, like maybe on a bad year, I might get two calls per tenant. You know, bad year. I've had tenants for, I've had one tenant for seven years who I've probably been in his place to repair something maybe five times in seven years. Uh, C-class assets, it's a constant, constant thing. Um, for some reason, like turning off bathtubs, right, is a problem and it leaks into the unit below, happens all the time. You know, or the toilet's running, they don't say anything. Again, like you're, you know, you've got all of a sudden plumbing leaks. It's a constant thing. And what people don't understand, and one of the things that I know I did not understand is roofs, furnaces, hot water heaters, right? All those things cost the same. If you buy a $700,000 house or a $100,000 like three flat, right? Those things cost the same. But when you're looking at it, it's percentage of rent, yeah. right? If my $700,000 property brings in $6,000 a month rent and my $100,000 property brings in $1,200 a month rent, right? And a roof, I need to place a roof, right? That is so much of my cash flow. I just had a turnover. My tenant was there. We bought the building in 2015. Uh, it was an inherited tenant. So she was there before I even bought the building. She just left. So she's been there for, what, nine years of my ownership? You know, and it costs $8,000 to renovate her unit. Well, when the rent is eight fifty, dollars you know, I'm looking at, okay, so now that's, you know, 10 months of cash flow, but that doesn't include my mortgage, my taxes, my insurance, right? It's like that just wiped out probably a year and a half of cash flow, but $8,000 on a rental on a other, my units in Chicago would be, you know, three, four months of cash flow. So though, that's one of the things that I did not, even though I ran my numbers, which much more higher percentages for CapEx and repair, uh, I didn't grasp that concept very you know, well. It's, a lot of times it's a very hard concept to grasp that cheaper yeah. is not always better. 
No. Right? I, 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 I genuinely started with this and I was very fortunate that way that I never bought cheap properties. I never bought expensive properties. The mid B, B plus A markets is what mm-hmm. was kind of in the Chicago suburbs. And that that's what I stuck to. And literally on 250 plus properties owned, uh, if we get four calls, five calls a week, that's a big deal. Right. We yeah. don't generally the type of calls we'll get generally are, hey, it's really hot day today. The air conditioning didn't come on. Right. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. cold day. Those type of calls most of the times in B plus A places and most tenants, the mentality is very different. They're like me and you. Husband, wife get into an argument. People in that class of property, they don't start punching walls, right? We've all had, you know, with your girlfriend, with your spouse, you have, you know, the normal human being, but we don't start throwing plates. We don't start punching. I mean, that's not what we all do. We all feel mad at times, right? But yet in a certain class, that's what the reaction is. Well, I was mad, man. I just punched a hole through the door. I'm like, yeah. uh, it doesn't happen in my house or your house, probably. Right? But it's just the one blew up our mentality. garage. Right. The boyfriend cheated on the girlfriend. She took a yeah. baseball bat to all of our windows yeah. and then went to the gas station, got one of those red containers, dumped it over his car, and blew up our garage. Yeah. You know, uh, that stuff doesn't happen. You're right, in, in certain classes. Are you enjoying the show thus far? You know what they say. Knowledge is not power, but rather, it's the application of knowledge that is power. That's why we are excited to announce the new dates for our Build Your Empire three-day conference and property tour. At this game-changing event, you'll discover how to build lasting wealth with real estate, learn step-by-step methods, avoid common mistakes, and get insights from dozens of real estate and financial experts. If you are listening to the podcast, you know that real estate is a team sport. And we're here to introduce you to the local pros who can help you every step of the way. This event is your opportunity to walk through active real estate deals in Chicago and nearby neighborhoods. And the best part is, you can either attend live or virtually. Go to andrewhomesevents.com and get your early bird tickets now. At the event, you'll see properties being transformed into flips, rentals, or wholesale properties, giving you a rare and valuable learning experience outside the classroom. Meet and learn from successful students who've profited from our mentorship. Hear their stories and struggles, and discover how you can follow in their footsteps, regardless of your background or experience. And so much more. We also have a VIP package that will give you access to our exclusive networking sessions and an opportunity to connect and meet with Andrew himself. Plus, we even give you a hot lunch all of the days you are there. For more information and to secure your spot, visit andrewhomesevents.com. We sell out every time, so don't miss this opportunity to transform your real estate career. We will see you at our next event. And now, back to the show. I want to kind of go back to that uh, that thought, right? In 2019, you did something very drastic. When I first heard you say that, you're like, Andrew, I sold my properties, right? I still remember that conversation. Yeah. So what was the what was the impetus for that? What was the thinking at that time? So I was actually at a conference in Philadelphia, um, said very similar to like the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. And there was an economist. He was the first speaker of the the conference. And I remember sitting there like writing down all these big words I didn't understand, like yield curve and, you know, inversions. And I'm like, I should Google this stuff. Like I know the real estate world, right? But I don't know outside of my little bubble, right? Economic things that are going to impact my little bubble world. So. 
I planned, I'm like, you know, this is, should be a goal of mine. I want to learn more about economic stuff. And at the end of the conference, they did a, um, a charity auction. And the economist was auctioning off his time. So I bid on him and won because I wanted to sit down and talk with him more. And so part of that was, you know, he was teaching me about things I should be looking at, how to understand things, right? How the, the banks in Europe affect the U.S. market, which then affects real estate, right? That's what I wanted to learn about. So not a micro level, that, on a macro level. Both, you know, like okay. he was there like to essentially like answer my questions and tell me like, that's what, what I wanted to learn was how other things are affecting my real estate world, my little bubble right. here. But part of that was he was doing a deep dive into my portfolio. So he had asked me to, you know, he gave me a bunch of an Excel sheet. You know, what did you buy it for? What do you think it's worth today, right? What was last year's cash flow? What was, you know, he had me break down every single year's cash flow and I gave him this Excel. And he came back to me like a couple of weeks later. He's like, okay, let's go through this. Like, again, he used all these different calculations. Half of them I still don't completely understand. But sure. I had never really looked back at the performance of the properties, right? It was always very short-sighted. Like looking at my 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 numbers was always like, hey, we did a, we had a really good quarter, you know, or this was, you know, we did a little bit better this year than we did last year. But I never went back and looked at seven whole years at the same time and was like, hey, how are these properties performing, especially based on what my original projections were? And so it was a really interesting exercise for me because it opened my eyes and like, hey, some of these properties aren't doing very well. And it's one of the reasons why when everyone asks me, like, why would you go buy, right? I bought a million dollars of property in nine months. You know, why wouldn't you just buy one big 50 unit, 100 unit, whatever? Like, you know, everyone wants to go big into commercial. You know, and this was one of the reasons because if I had properties that were not performing, I could just sell off those properties and keep the ones that were performing, right? It gives you that flexibility. So at the end of the day, I looked at the spreadsheet and said, okay, I'm looking at the number that really resonated with me is if I sold it today, how many years cash flow would I get? So let's just say I'm going to throw out numbers here. I bought it for 80, right? I could sell it for 120, okay? After, you know, fees and all that stuff, I could, let's say I'll profit $20,000. If I'm only making $1,000 a year in this property, that's 20 years cash flow up front. So I looked at my list and I said, okay, anything that I can get 10 years of cash flow now or plus 10, 10 plus years by selling, I'm going to do that. So I said, I sold a couple in 2018. Um, I then took, expanded that list and brought it to my partners and said, you know, do you want to keep or sell? It's like one of my partners sold one, one of my properties sold another one. I sold, I think, two more properties and then COVID hit. So the, like the last of our properties were under contract when COVID hit and those closed. And then I took off and didn't sell anything until this most recent year. So what part of your portfolio have you kept or any? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I kept my Chicago properties. Okay. I completely cashed out all my Milwaukee properties. There was 18 properties that I sold. Uh, my one partner. And did you distribute anything or did you do a 1031 out of it? No, I took a tax hit. Okay, you took a tax hit. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I can talk about that too. That was sure. a, you know, I hate paying taxes. I just sent the IRS, like I said, I just sold the properties March 15th. And, you know, Q1 payments are due 
Monday, I just sold the I just sent the IRS over six figures yeah. in estimated tax payments. It sucks. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't know what I wanted to do with the capital. I didn't want to feel rushed or like forced into something Push, by constantly yeah. wanting it. Yeah. Got it. So I decided to take the tax hit. So I want to ask you, and this is, I know we have discussed this in the past, right? Um, because you built up your portfolio initially uh, with house hacking, with residential mortgages. Yeah. Then you went into uh, buying properties with commercial, with small banks, credit union, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, with doing basically a buy, rehab, value add, and refi out with equity the whole nine yards, right? Mm-hmm. Now, You've been around, right? You're you're not like a newbie to the game. Uh, you've been a speaker at a lot of big panels, a lot of big things. Uh, you have friends that are in the multi-unit game, right? Yeah. Right. Why have you never really gone, oh my God, go big or go home? You you don't seem to be of that elk. But no. what explain the reason behind that? So actually, I did do my first syndication deal though. Okay. Uh, I invested in my first syndication deal last year. Um, As an LP? Yes. Okay, got it. There's a lot of reasons. You know, uh, A, I felt the market is pretty oversaturated. You know, um, it's something that I've always been open to. Um, It's just nothing has ever made me feel 100% comfortable, right? And that's how I invest. Um, I invest when it feels right to me. And because we've talked before about, you know, it being about capital preservation as well. Sure. But the big multifamily world, right? I think a lot of people think that you have to go big to be successful. You have to have an office building with a hundred employees, right? And you wear a suit and tie every day. Like that is not my world. I don't even have pants on, you know, like this is, I have a pajama all day person, hundred percent. I don't want to go to an office. I don't want employees. I don't want to be responsible for other people's money. Like I am, I'm a freedom investor. You know, I invest for the lifestyle. 100%. So I want to talk about this, right? Because I know you're big on vacations, right? Uh, yeah. Are you still taking, I know you take a pretty elaborate vacation where you just kind of cut off from the world, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I just, so that's we just got something... back on Tuesday. Oh, okay, great. So that's something now with your babies, right? Uh, I mean, that's something as a family, you guys have decided that that's what we're going to do. And that's where we're going to put our resources, time and have to be able to uh, have the money and the time to be able to do something like that. Absolutely. So, so we just got back on Tuesday. It was my 40th birthday. Oh, congratulations. Yes. So I took the little kids. We went to Orlando. That was just a quick trip. Uh, you know, we've got, we're going to gear up for a month in September. And then we're coming back, hopefully, and we're going to get, we're going to leave from October until March and go RV. Okay. Got it. So like, that's my husband's dream is to go RV. Got it. Not mine. Is your husband full-time in real estate also? He does something else. No, he's taking with the kids. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Great. So we're together like 24 seven with our kids. Got it, got it. Okay, good. And uh, real estate, I mean, it's a beautiful thing about real estate is that it allows you to kind of mold your lifestyle, right? Uh, and vice versa. You can mold your real estate to lifestyle or lifestyle to real estate yes. as long as you know what you're doing. Absolutely. I said, I talked about it before. You know, I'm so glad that I had the energy and the capacity to build the business up before I had kids. Because once I had kids, it changed dramatically. 
Correct. You know, uh, said my my son's 15 months. I've never been away from my son for more than two hours. Um, I've never been away from my daughter for more than four hours. Oh, I did the Bigger Pockets conference. So I did leave for two days. You know, we afternoons are family time. Like I work in the mornings typically. After 12 o'clock noon, my day is done. That's time. It's my family time. So I condense my day. I get up at five and I start working and, you know, I'm trying to be done by noon so that we have time to spend quality time as a family. Like that's my priority now. And that's the freedom that real estate does give you. Like I said, I don't want to be the boss with the office and the employees and, you know, working all day. That's not, that was never my intention from the very beginning of this. It was always to have that freedom um, to spend quality time. Cause that's said. When my dad died, that was the the thing that the catalyst for all this. Right. You know, that makes, was the, that, that makes perfect sense. So now looking looking into the future, right? Uh, as we um kind of talk about it right now, um, looking into the future, uh, besides vacations, right? Yeah. What are uh, on a on a business level, what are the goals for you guys as a family? Yeah, so the there's a couple of goals, right? Said so we just just sold these properties. It's been a month, not even. And I do not know what we're going to do with the money. You know, uh, we've got the money set aside, you know, ready to invest, just like we did for the properties I sold in 2018 and 2019. You know, we took that money. I sat on it for a while. I invested some in the stock market, but then I invested a, um, a bunch of it into a syndication deal. And it was the first deal that made sense to me. You know, I knew the area very well. I understood the strategy very well. You know, it, it made a lot of sense. So moving forward, there really isn't a goal set. It's just when something seems right. You know, when something feels right. I actually looked at doing a uh, mixed-use building in Chicago. It had a restaurant on the first floor um, and then apartments up top. So that was interesting to me. Um, I ended up not moving forward with that one the, for a couple of reasons. but. You know, I'm I'm definitely not investing in C-class assets. I'll definitely be looking in the Chicago market or I'll also be considering syndications, but it's not pretty heavy on my list. But that's why I like going to these kind of events like the summit is it re-energizes me, right? It, I get so many different ideas. I like hearing from other speakers about what they're doing, what's been successful. And the big thing right now to me is, you know, what's the future of the real estate market? You know, I don't think, Obviously, no one has a you know a crystal ball crystal ball to know, but there's people that are way, way smarter than me going to talk about be talking about how they're adjusting their business now to prepare for those things. And I want to hear what they have to say before deciding anything. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about the summit. You and John uh, do the summit. Actually, we're doing a recording with uh, John Caspin here in a couple of days. Um, the date we said is May sixth, uh, May sixth and seventh. So when yeah. we get this out to everybody, how do people sign up for the summit? Uh, the website is midwestresummit.com. Midwestresummit.com. Um, uh, com. Okay, great. You can use promo code Andrew for fifty dollars off tickets. Sure. Okay, great. Use from uh, so it's a two-day event. We've got you. Know, you'll be a speaker there. Um, we just added Joe Fairless as a speaker. Um, Ashley Wilson. She's also going to be a speaker. Uh, Jay Papazan is our big headline. Is our headline speaker. He wrote the one thing: the millionaire real estate investor. He wrote the book Hold. He wrote the book Flip. 
you know, he's written more books about real estate investing uh, than anyone else I know. Um, so he will be doing our um, Saturday morning session on the, his book, The One Thing. And then he'll also be doing a breakout session on goal setting. Um, yep. We've got everything from you know, syndication, raising capital. We have a panel on the economy. We have a speaker talking about the local Airbnb policies. So anything with short-term rentals, how that's being reshaped, at least in Chicago, especially. Everything from, you know, how to flip successfully in this market, you know, all those things are being discussed. So we like to cultivate a variety of speakers in a non-pitch environment, right? right. To, to help educate you. And said, reinvigorate ideas. That's what I look at it, look at it as. As well as, you know, we've got built-in networking and breakout sessions and all those fun things. So I come away, I always lose my voice every single conference. Uh, I, by the end of it, I can't talk anymore because I've been talking for two days straight. But that's what the event is all about. Share the uh, podcast, guys. Uh, like it. It goes a long, long, long way, right? And uh, Bree is a wonderful resource to reach out to uh, in the local area to connect with. Ms. Bree, having said that, thanks a bunch. And guys, have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Cash Flow for Life podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. Achieving financial freedom is all about creating the necessary cash flow in your life. Our team has designed an entire ecosystem for you to be able to not only become a successful real estate investor, but for you to build higher cash flows month after month. Join our community at www.nationalreinvest.com to see which event is coming up that you can be a part of and how you can be a part of our community. Once again, it's www.nationalreinvest.com. We will see you on the next episode.